folks, this is James Brightman, and I'm here with Brendan Sinclair, and you're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. So, Brendan, let's talk about E3. I uh, can't believe it's coming up so quickly right now, but um, what are you expecting to see from the show out of... Uh, let's start with Nintendo, since everyone loves the Switch. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, Nintendo's actually kind of tipped their hand a little bit, um, and they I think we, we know it's going to be Mario Odyssey. Um but outside of that, like they, they, it seems like they've spelled out most of 2017. So I'd, I'd hope to see a few uh, 2018 game announcements. Um, just you know, give us some visibility beyond Mario. And uh, outside of that, there's the question of like the 3DS. Is is this thing really just kind of dead and gone on its last legs? Are they ready to put it out to pasture? because of Switch, or are they really committed to that whole, no, no, these things can run in parallel stuff they were giving us before. And then outside of that, the um, virtual console plan for the Switch, and the Classic Edition question. Like, Eurogamer reported it's going to be a SNES Classic Edition, that's like, that's super cool to me, but uh, I wouldn't be, you know, too put off if they decided to do a Game Boy Classic Edition instead. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think you're onto something, especially with the consumer presence there. They want to satisfy, you know, a lot of the consumer demand and uh, being the first U3 where consumers are coming in, I think all the companies have to take on a little bit of a different tact and, um, you know, having something like the SNES Classic or, or, you know, kind of addressing, you know, what might be that next big IP apart from Mario Odyssey. Um, those are, you know, big question marks. And, you know, obviously Mario Odyssey is going to sell like gangbusters and it's critical to their to their holiday season. But, you know, for me personally, I'd like to find out if uh, there's going to be, you know, a Switch Metroid. You know, I'm a big Metroid fan and um, that would be a, a really a lot of fun. And I'm not talking about a Metroid Prime. I mean, like a legitimate, you know, back to the to the 2D Metroid, I'd love to see something like that, kind of like what we used to see on um, you know on the DS and and those older portables. I'd love to kind of get my hands on one of those. But um, Nintendo really, it's it's hard to predict. I feel like they're the hardest uh, you know to to kind of make predictions about just based on what they've been doing the last few E3s, basically <laughs> <laughs> completely dodging it, not having not not having press conferences. I mean, it's uh, they're they're a tough one, but I mean. Yep. You know, I will say I am I am so much more excited for what Nintendo has this year than last year. I picked up a Switch at launch. Uh, it seemed like a terrible idea when I put the pre-order down, but I have to say I've really enjoyed it, and I'm like I'm expecting to be playing on the Switch more than any other system in the next year. Right, right, and I think your comments before about you know the 3DS and whether it has a, a legitimate future are um, you know pretty important and, and, and how they handle the C3 will be somewhat telling because uh, if we'd hear very little and, and see very little in the way of games for 3DS, then you kind of know that, you know, without explicitly saying it, that they're kind of moving, you know, forward. And, um, you know, based on developer talks, I've had a lot of people who would have made a 3DS game, they decided, you know what, we can just put it on Switch and it has the portable functionality. So I do feel like there is some cannibalization uh, going on here, whether or not that was their intent, uh, you could argue that it was, but you could also argue that it wasn't, and it's just the net effect. And so, well, 3DS is kind of end of lifespan about now, anyways. I think, but I, the, the question for me may be more: Is there a 4DS? <laughs> right. Anyways, you know, is there an actual portable only successor aimed at uh, more of a, a younger, lower cost market? 
than than the Switch, or or do they think that they can sell, you know, Switches to a, a family with three kids so that they each have their own? Right. That, that sounds tough to me. Right. I mean, if you if you listen to Nintendo's thinking, they actually believe they can sell multiple Switch units to families. So it's not yeah. one Switch per household. They actually believe that because of the portable nature that, oh, well, we have to have you know, a Switch for this child and a Switch for this child, just the way you would think about it for, you know, if you had a, t- a 10-year-old and, a, and an 8-year-old, well, you might say they each need a Switch or they each need a 3DS or whatever the case may be. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I guess that factors into uh, their sales targets because they... Uh, they're doing quite well, as we all know. Um, so I'm moving on. I guess um, let's let's talk about Microsoft because there's a huge focus on Scorpio, and of course, you know, Digital Foundry getting the exclusive scoop on that was pretty exciting, and and you know, seeing those specs. I mean, that thing is a beast, and I know. Um, you know, offline, we've had some discussions about, you know, who is the, the, the Scorpio really for? And I think that's an interesting question and, and kind of what are the types of games we'll see because they've said that Scorpio will not have exclusives. And so, um, I don't know, what are you thinking about Scorpio, Brendan? Uh, a few things. Was that that no exclusives for Scorpio thing? I, I think they've also said or implied, or this is just me assuming, but I, I assume the VR stuff is going to be exclusive to scorpio mm-hmm. um and and i guess pc uh so like there there will be something special about it but the, the big questions for me are, are how much is this going to be and what games are actually going to make that price worth paying um like, because i don't think that that people are going to line up to pay six hundred dollars for something that plays you know the exact same Crackdown 3 only with, you know, more bells and whistles or a higher frame rate. Right, right. I mean, I think you're right that that it's a very niche kind of crowd and there could be enough overlap with the sort of VR, you know, high-end PC gaming rig crowd in terms of just people who want the the, the super, super high fidelity graphics are, are, you know, already laying out the cash for a really well-built PC with a, you know, a 1080 graphics card or higher. And uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, if Xbox is making its games, you know, Xbox live anywhere and, and, or play anywhere, whatever they're calling it. I mean, then why not just buy it on PC? Like, why do you have to buy a Scorpio? And so um, I think that's a question that, that they still sort of need to answer. And, um, you know, I think it also, and, and this is something that, you know, obviously they're going to announce new stuff at the E3 press conference, but like going into it, I don't think they have a lineup for this holiday season that can really push something like like Scorpio. Like they've already said that there's no Halo 6 this year. Right. Um, and, and, you know, something like that might at least generate excitement and consumer interest and, and something that would be a system seller kind of title to make people say, you know what, I'm excited, let's go and get Scorpio and do the, the experience upright. I, I haven't heard anything about a new Gears of War being ready, and I'm not sure at this point that Gears would be the system seller they need. Uh, I've never understood the Crackdown 3 hype, although I know I'm kind of weird on that front. It seems like other people are more excited and and Sea of Thieves, like, congrats to Rare if they can make that into a huge title. But I, I would just, I kind of would be shocked if the lineup that they have for this holiday season um, is is comparable to what 
Nintendo and Sony are going to be bringing. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is at the knock on Microsoft. They've been a little bit maligned for their first party efforts. And, and as you, you kind of just outlined what they have. And um, I do think Sea of Thieves, based on, on you know the demos I've seen, um, it looks very interesting and it has the potential to be a hit. But, you know, it's an unknown quantity at this point. And would that sell a Scorpio or, or other systems? You know, it's hard to say because new IP, you never know until it's kind of out on the market. Um and so, you know, um, they they still have a lot of question marks around around their their overall strategy. I mean, I do think uh, if they are able to lower a price on Xbox One S, that that would sell very very well for them. It's already doing pretty well, and I think the uh, installed base of just 4K televisions in general is continuing uh, to rise. And, and you know, pairing that this holiday season uh, for people who want to get a new TV and then get HDR and 4K content, um, you know, that can uh, can actually work in their favor. And you sort of have to, to wonder what, what Sony does um, to counter the Scorpio. Will they go beyond a PS4 Pro? Uh, because uh, Scorpio is another level higher, and so, um, well, since I brought up Sony, let's transition into that. I mean, they've. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta. I gotta say one thing here. Yes. Um, <laughs> just because it's it's you know like the the crazy speculation fan theory thing that that I think would be fun. Um, so I was just writing the ten years ago this month column, and one of the news bits in there was about uh, Microsoft getting exclusive downloadable content for Grand Theft Auto 4 and paying 50 million bucks for it. <laughs> Which is hugely expensive, but the 360 did pretty well with that. Um, I'm not sure if they'd still consider it worthwhile, but I was wondering if something like that uh, could be used for differentiating Scorpio from the competition and maybe making sure that there is like you know, paying, paying third parties to make sure that their games take advantage of Scorpio and maybe don't support PS4 Pro in, in anywhere near the same way. Right. I mean, it's an interesting theory, and um, I don't know how much of that is realistically going on as much. I feel like the days of exclusives, other than first party, you know, those are more and more numbered. I mean, even we saw that at the previous generation. Um, well, right. This isn't an exclusive game. It's just exclusive support for you know their uh, enhanced console. The same, similar to the way you would get you know exclusive uh, downloadable content releasing first on your platform for a few months. Right. Things like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, it's not that difficult to kind of just kind of upscale the, the you know put in the the code that's needed similar to a, to a pc you know if you have a pc release and you just want to be able to, to to enable the highest resolution and you know anti-aliasing and things like that i don't think it actually requires a ton more effort so i actually don't know uh you know not being a, a programmer or a developer but I, I i don't know that it would actually be necessary for microsoft to, to pay for them to do that i think it would just be in rockstar's interests or whoever's interest to to do that to make let's say hypothetically red dead redemption look just absolutely amazing on scorpio compared to um you know a ps4 um but it is a uh, it's an interesting theory to see you know how that dynamic plays out between third parties uh, on these different platforms with a system that's out there that can do a lot more. Um, so, um, but anyway, moving on to, uh, to Sony, um, 
you know, they are kind of in this position where they may or may not have to react to, you know, what Microsoft is doing. And so what are your thoughts on, on where Sony's headed and what they might announce at E3? Well, I think they've got a pretty solid lineup uh, just between, you know, like God of War, Spider-Man, Days Gone, Uncharted Lost Legacy, and uh, Detroit Become Human. Like, that's already announced stuff. And even if some of that slips, I don't think all of it even has a date for this year for sure. But uh, even if you push a few of those to 2018, that, that could be a fairly solid 2017 lineup for the PS4. The, the things that I'm wondering are, um, are we going to see much of a push for the PS4 Pro, uh, especially in, in light of Scorpio, I don't know, likely looking better than what PS4 Pro can do mm-hmm. uh and um is is playstation vr like the support for ps4 pro and playstation vr is kind of the biggest stuff that i'm looking for out of the sony uh e3 just because they have such a record of here's an interesting piece of hardware or peripheral it gets some traction and then they're just like yeah we're not interested in it anymore it didn't it didn't blow up the way we wanted let's let it die you know, it's not just that I'm a Vita, you know, describing <laughs> it. Um, although that is part of it for sure. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, go ahead. You know, I suppose like uh, on the Vita sort of subject, is there is there any chance at all of, of Sony sort of seeing the Switch success and maybe, I don't know, reminding people that Vita Remote Play exists? Or, or trying to flesh out that feature set a little bit, um, like, just is there is there any inclination? And this is for Microsoft also, like where where people look at Nintendo's success and then they say, well, let's do our own thing that's kind of like that. And I don't, I wouldn't expect any this E3, mm-hmm. but especially if the Switch is still doing well a year down the line, you got to figure Sony and or Microsoft would kind of want a piece of that sooner or later. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and you bring up an interesting point. Our, our, you know, our very own Rob Fahey discussed this in one of his columns, and uh, it's kind of like, is the console market being redefined by what the Switch has managed to achieve? And as you said, if this continues on, and, and the Switch is on the, you know, the the path that it's been on doing so well, Microsoft and Sony may have to react to that just the way they did back when you know they introduced the Kinect because motion controls were so, you know like at the time so popular and so will sort of kind of portable gaming that's also a console become the new mode of of what a console is and uh you know is scorpio therefore almost overkill and um moving in the wrong direction without microsoft even realizing it so those are all very interesting questions that uh you know we don't have answers to i got one more for sony Mm -hmm. um a couple years ago at this point now, I think it was, they, they started to lose a lot of their like high-profile uh, developer relations people. Mm-hmm. Like, just just sort of the uh, Adam Boys and um, uh, Shahid. Right, right. Uh, and a few others as, as well. And I'm wondering, like, there's going to be a lag effect there, but are we about to see now that the kind of presence of indies on the PS4 uh, is going to be lessened uh, after so many departures from that that group of people that was so key to getting Sony in good with indies in the first place. Right. 
Right. I mean, that's that's something to, to keep an eye on for sure. I mean, how the indies react to, to all of the consoles. I mean, back at GDC, obviously Nintendo was making a, a pretty big push because they need content to fill the gaps. And so um, the the importance of the indie community, you know, cannot be uh, overstated. Um, so I think it behooves Sony to to make sure that they're, they're still, um, you know, getting... Uh, good content from the indies and making good deals with the developers out there. Um, and and on the Sony front, you mentioned VR, and I just wanted to touch on VR in general, not just Sony. But I mean, well, first of all, uh, I think it's really interesting that you know they've done so well with PlayStation VR without even trying, and it's kind of like where's the content? I mean, they just I think are about to launch Farpoint, or they have launched Farpoint, and so that's their big IP on PlayStation VR uh, more recently. Um, before that, of course, it was Resident Evil Seven. Um, but, uh, kind of, you know, this E3 could be a good indicator of just how seriously they will take VR going forward. You know, what kinds of content will we see, um, from Sony studios, um, on a first party perspective, um, you know, for the PlayStation VR, um, let alone the third party content, you know, and what kind of deals we'll see there. Um, and then just more generally, we know that Oculus is not going to have a booth, but I still think we're going to see some some really interesting VR content. Um, in fact, I would predict that, um, you know, we will finally see at E3 from one of the major companies, uh, the first kind of massive AAA scale VR game, which you really haven't seen yet, you know, kind of like of the Skyrim variety or the GTA variety, which a lot of people have predicted would happen in VR. And I think we might get a glimpse of something like that finally at that at this E3, but that's just my, my prediction. So you're thinking an exclusive and not just a like triple A title, like resident evil seven that has, you know, a VR. I think something, right. I think something built for VR, but on that scale is finally going to be teased. Uh, I think it's going to be, it's probably in the works somewhere if I had to guess right now. Um, and speaking of exclusive, actually wouldn't be surprised if Oculus funded it because that's the way these things kind of, have been happening at this early stage where it's still a little bit, you know, risky for, for the average developer. Um, so even without Oculus being there, I, I could foresee a, a pretty big VR game being, being, uh, you know, making its debut. Um, so, you know, before we wrap up, let's talk about sort of the general tone of E3. Um, you know, this is the first year that they've opened it up to the public after last year's sort of experiment uh, next door to the convention center. They've actually sold 15,000 tickets to let people in. And um, that has sort of, you know, negative and positive consequences. Um, so what's your take on this being sort of the first quasi-public uh, show? Uh, I think it's – I'm expecting it to be a lot like the E3s before 2007. Um, I went to four of those, and they were, it seemed like they were half consumer anyways, just with the number of people who had either kind of scammed their, their press credentials or were like, you know, the, the manager of your local GameStop or Funko Land or whatever. Uh, so there was, there was a lot more um, swag given given out a lot more people walking around with like you know inflatable swords or, or what have you um i don't think it's going to be quite as fan-centric as like a penny arcade expo or something that's actually a fan expo but uh, i i do expect it to be a little bit rowdier than than in recent years and i think that's pretty much what the publishers want 
Right. You know? Right. Because you you want the devoted super fans showing all the press and retailers and anyone else in attendance that everyone is super excited about your games. And recently it seems like Nintendo's been getting that every year regardless. But uh, a lot of the other companies are, are not so much. You'll, you'll see a lot of long lines and booths of very unhappy people. This year, with a bunch more consumers. I expect those lines to be just as long, if not longer, but with more smiles and excitement. Yeah, um, and, and I pretty much agree with you. I mean, uh, from from the professional perspective, it's it's tough for guys like the, like us. I mean, even last year, without the public being in there, I felt like at times I had to kind of weave in and out of people, you know, in crowds where I just needed to get to my next meeting, and it was difficult. And I almost got you know shoved down a few times by people just trying to get onto a line to play, you know, Zelda or something. And and I and I know ESA has its heart in the right place, and um, you know, I do believe that this is the 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 next step towards having a, a genuine consumer show, you know, separated from a couple business days, but they can't do that in one, you know, fell swoop. They have to uh, make plans with the convention center and there's certain contracts in place. And so this is an evolution and I think they're heading in the right direction. Um, it might be a little bit frustrating for the professional uh, who is in attendance. Um, but, um, but I do believe it, it, it's going in the right direction and, and the ESA is trying. So, um, when you say the ESA has its heart and in the right place, I do want to specify that 15,000 tickets with, uh, 250 bucks a pop <laughs> with $150 early bird access for like a thousand of those people, you still wind up pushing close to $4 million in, extra revenue that they just did not have last year right yes that is a valid point yeah their heart's in the right place (laughs) and this is a we're a business publication and that's business right i mean so that's uh it makes sense i mean then they're also yes they were selling thousand dollar business passes Mm -hmm. when i when i wrote that story about the public passes selling out and the thousand dollar business pass would get you catered LACC breakfast and lunch. And if you've ever, ever had those, <laughs> they are dreadful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the pricing, you know, I can't blame them. I mean, look at all the other shows and, and, you know, the Dice Summit. I mean, look at the ticket prices. And so, you know, the ESA needs to capitalize on what it can capitalize on. And, um, you know, eventually the show will kind of take on the right format. I f- feel like it's not there yet, but I really can't blame them for, as you said before, kind of opening it up and, and getting the fan excitement. And that's what the publishers want to see. That's why they have Jeff Keighley there doing the whole Coliseum show, which is, you know, a lot of celebrities and, and fans going to be crowding around that and seeing Hideo Kojima, whoever else with like, you know, all their, you know, I think Jack Black, they said, was, you know, it's the you know, Hollywood celebrities showing up. And of course it's LA. So why not? Um, so it, it's, that's actually a really smart move about this, I think. Right. Cause most of the, you open it to the public and three days of, of E3 normally, and it, they'd be like, okay, well, you know, Tuesday I waited in line at Nintendo. Wednesday I waited in line at Sony and Microsoft. And then Thursday I played like two things. And you wind up paying 250 bucks and come away from it like, yeah, I played fewer than 10 games that whole, that whole time. But with the, the Coliseum thing, it, it gives them 
so much more of like an attraction to, to glom onto and to, to be like, yes, I did something instead of just waiting in line all week. Right. Right. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our E3 discussion. Um, look forward to our E3 newsletter all week long during the show and uh, tune into our next podcast. Thanks a lot. James Bachelor, and you're still listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I am joined by Nahandrahan, uh, editor in chief, Games Industry, and uh, Christopher Dring, uh, publisher of Games Industry. Job done. Right. Um, continuing on from the discussion that James and Brendan have already had, we're going to be talking about what we kind of expect from uh, the week ahead. E3 is obviously massive time for the games industry. Um, guys, kind of any anything on your wish list or anything you, you kind of expect to see i we will be quite general first and then we'll go into like the the platform holders separately well look i mean i uh, for me i suppose i actually find that uh, thinking too specifically about e3 almost ruins the fun of it um because you know part part of the fun is being uh, is being surprised by individual product announcements things you weren't expecting um yeah, I mean, so Chris, Chris, you're you're on your way out there, aren't you? So, what what were your thoughts as someone who's literally just about to go and and get involved with it all? I'm I'm expecting what a muted show, to be honest. And I know yeah. we're going to go through the platform holders, so um, I'll, I'll explain why. But um, I think actually one thing we won't I can talk about what we won't hear. I don't think we're going to hear what I think is the real battle that's occurring between it's a console war. That's what this this console situation. That's what this is. It's all the console competitors, and I don't think we'll hear anything from um, about uh, what's going on for the younger. And mainstream market because it's a core game show it's where all the core gamers are watching but i really think that's the real sort of battleground at the moment between playstation and xbox and now nintendo on the scene i think that's the real exciting interesting area for the games industry who's going to claim that last 70 80 million install base that has yet to move across from the last generation to this one and um i don't think we'll hear anything about that i suspect we'll hear a lot more you know big you know big blockbuster games and i actually think it might be a bit more of a muted event i a lot of people have announced what they're showing already. Um, yeah. Bethesda is the only one I don't really know much about. Yeah. I'm expecting something a bit quieter. But even with Bethesda, like you can kind of predict we know it's going to be a new Wolfenstein and it's probably going to be a new Evil Within. Like E3 over the last few years have got to the stage where it's become increasingly predictable and those surprises that you referred to, Matt, which, yeah, is the best part of E3, those surprises are coming, becoming fewer and far between because people are... I mean, Ubisoft have now gotten the habit of announcing one of their big titles a week or so before to make sure they get the attention that yeah. they want. This year they announced three of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, then, and, and, Sony, and Sony has a tendency to come out, in, come out in the press and talk about sales figures and a few things that you might, you might assume would be disclosed during a press conference uh, a couple of weeks in advance, you know, through kind of broadsheet newspapers as well. It does happen. I was thinking actually as well, like... Uh, looking at the press conferences, you know, I, I can't imagine anything in the EA press conference, for example, that's going to excite me because you kind of know now, like the publishers are sort of coalescing around these sort of four or five massive games a year, and you pretty much know either what they're going to be in advance or they're just the, you know, they're just the the same the same franchise is being repeated on, on a kind of a yearly or bi-yearly cycle, you know. So like the A press conference is going to be FIFA, it's going to be Madden, it's going to be Battlefront, it's going to be Battlefield, and that's basically all it's going to be, right? Mm. Yeah, well, EA is the most predictable. I even want quite like Ubisoft, because you turn up there, and yes, it's, it's Assassin's Creed and it's Far Cry, and then, and then it's, I don't know, Steep, or yeah. something completely out of, you know, uh, this Rabbids Mario game or something, it, and then they have 
dancing bears on stage and they just lose yeah. their minds for a few moments and it's i do quite enjoy it. you don't get very much of that i think sony have been doing playstations i, I find in the last three years playstation have been like doing dream press conferences they've been showing such bizarre you know not bizarre games but surprising is every year getting the crowd going in a in a very excitable way but they have an annoying habit of announcing these games and then they disappear we don't hear from them for ages and ages and ages and in fact you can go back two or three e3s now where they those games haven't been haven't been yeah. seen since or, or have but in very limited ways so um uh, i wonder even if playstation might actually pull back a little bit from being too surprise heavy this year and, yeah. and sort of show what they've shown us before well, I seem to remember in the aftermath of last E3, I, I, I don't want to put words in Phil Spencer's mouth here, but certainly a Microsoft executive made some rather pointed comments on Twitter about just how far out a lot of what uh, Sony, Sony had announced on stage was, you know, that the, the Microsoft's conference was largely games you'd be seeing in the coming sort of 12 months, you know, scale bound aside. Obviously, but but, but Sony had had did have this tendency to be kind of putting games out there on stage with no release date attached and no kind of firm idea of when you might actually be playing them. So yeah, I mean, with the one for me, the 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 publisher that I am interested to see what's going to be there is Bethesda, because because for me, like Evil Evil Within Two and Wolfenstein is not enough to hinge a press conference on. For me, I I do feel there's got to be something there, and I was writing down what it could be, and you know, it gets me excited just thinking about it. You know, a new Elder Scrolls potentially. It's been what six seven years since skyrim so that's that's got to be coming up somewhere and then what like uh the uh, the elder scrolls online has gone from strength to strength i mean there is potential for them to announce another mmo project because they aren't because that's doing extremely well for them now and i think that the the the, the changes they've made to it show that uh, i think that they've, they've kind of got a template they think that works so fallout mmo would be the obvious one but i wouldn't necessarily kind of commit to that being there um fallout vr is going to be at the show as well i do wonder if they're, they're bold enough yet to kind of think about doing skyrim in vr similar size game the enhanced edition is out so all that could happen on stage at bethesda so i think Bethesda's the one like if you if you if you do want to see a, a surprise for the core for the core console player, I think that could actually be the the one that delivers this year. With Bethesda, um, I would have dismissed the idea of there being Elder Scrolls this year because it's only been eighteen months since Fallout Four. Because yeah, there's true. been the Fallout Four VR, there's Skyrim coming to Switch, they did Skyrim HD last year. I thought maybe they wouldn't have you know they they're probably a bit too early to hear about a new Elder Scrolls because. Bethesda have a habit of announcing a game six months out from release. Well, they did it with Fallout 4 and then releasing it. But then I always forget that Bethesda opened a new development studio in Montreal about two years ago. So they, they have got increased capacity. So you, so you never know, actually. Yeah, and they're recruiting for a AAA MMO as we speak as well. So there is, there is a project bubbling away. I mean, the thing is, for me, it was more just like... Uh, you know, working backwards towards the answer because I just think about what is conceivably going to be there. And for me, like if your headline game is a new Wolfenstein, I just don't know if you've got enough for a press conference, really. Um, so they're, they're, they're going to have to inject some excitement into that. And I, I don't think that Skyrim Switch is going to do that. But, you know, will, no. remains to be seen. I, I was going to say pretty much what Chris was going to say. I wouldn't expect a full-blown Elder Scrolls, but I, I wonder if, if to kind of, you know... Uh, plug the gap between those massive open world RPGs they do, I wonder if they'll do, a, say, a Fallout 3 special edition 
or maybe even a remaster of an older Elder Scrolls game like Oblivion or Morrowind. I mean, that's what Morrowind, fans yeah. have been clamoring for. I mean, Morrowind, they've been trying to capitalise on that nostalgia with the, the Elder Scrolls Online expansion, but apparently mm. it's not quite the same. So if they suddenly came out... Oh, oh, there's those um, those fan mods, uh, Sky Oblivion and Skywind, where people mm-hmm. are remaking those games in the Skyrim engine. If they just suddenly said, yeah, by the way, we bought these and they're out at Christmas. Yeah, right. <laughs> that would be amazing. One more thing that I did want to want to put out there potentially, and this might just be wishful thinking on my part, but for some reason I get the feeling that Borderlands, a new Borderlands, oh, is going to be on stage. It's going to be on stage either at Sony or Microsoft potentially. Definitely. I mean, I, I, when I was at GDC, they showed off a tech demo, um, and they said, "Oh, it's a really early tech demo." It's like, no, it looks pretty, pretty yeah. engine to me. Um, well, they've I mean, had plenty of time to work on it, haven't they? Exactly. Because the, uh, the third Borderlands game was using very familiar tech and it didn't really feel like much of a step. It felt like that could be done quite easily after Borderlands 2. So they could conceivably have been working on a full, full new, uh, on, on this Borderlands game since they released Borderlands yeah, well, 2, which is a pre- long time ago. The pre-sequel was handed to 2K Australia, so it wasn't yeah. even handed by Gearbox. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I just kind of, pers- as a fan of that series, I kind of hope they don't go down the Destiny um, model of massive, open, lots of raids, lots of... I, I hope they just keep it as Borderlands. Um, yeah. Right, should we do the platform holders then? Xbox, again, like, kind of predictable. We know that there's going to be a Forza. There may be Halo. some sort of... Well, they, haven't they already said that there's not going to be Halo 6 this year? Okay. They, they, have, said, they have said that... Um... Uh, there'll be a Halo thing at E3, right. but there won't be a Halo sit. Yeah, I think Microsoft's gonna gonna have a fairly substantial indie presence because uh, a lot of the indies I've talked to over the last year think that the pendulum has swung back back over to by like, over to Xbox as being the sort of preeminent platform for for indie developers to work with now that, that Sony's sort of fallen off a little bit. So I do wonder if Microsoft isn't going to try and press their advantage there and go big on indies this year. Well, Sony's massively cut down its strategic content team. Who, yeah, handled the, yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. It means we'll see another glimpse of Cuphead, which will never come out. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I, um, so I, I'm gonna just quickly tail back. I know you're excited by Borderlands. I, I seem to remember Take Two saying they weren't showing any new games this year. Um, although uh, they have just teased an XCOM, XCOM two thing, the PC gaming yeah. show. So, um, so uh, I, I might have got that wrong. Um, to Xbox, um. It'll be they'll have the headlines because of Scorpio, I should think. I think that's they're the ones to beat at E3 this year. I think what we want to see is they'll need something to sell that machine because they they've got a big task because they're targeting an existing console base. Really, they're targeting high end users, and those users already play on PC. They're already playing on PS4. Um, they might already have Xbox Ones, so they need to really pull these people across. And of course, fancy new hardware is one way of doing it, but. It's the software that we want to see. So I expect yeah. that we'll see Crackdown back, um, uh, maybe State of Decay 2. I'd like to see something unique. Um, I'd love to see a release date for Sea of Thieves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think because I think they really need to, they really need to bring, uh, bring their first party game this year because they've, they've faced a lot of questions in the aftermath of Scalebound about just what they're doing on the first. And obviously, the closure of Lionhead as well about just what the state of their first party party offering is of their exclusive content is um, so I, I do expect as you do Chris I do expect to see Crackdown there and I would, would expect to see um, uh, State of Decay too yeah. yeah no I'd agree with that I'd, I'd kind of hope to see a bit more new IP as well because they tend to 
hinge on the same four or five franchises at this point and at least with things like Scalebound and Sea of Thieves they're trying something new but Scalebound didn't come out and Sea of Thieves still isn't so I wouldn't mind seeing something a bit different from them but uh, I won't hold my breath on that. Oh, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to see that aren't they? they've been working on a Fable game with Obsidian or something yeah. absurd as well, sort of sort of just completely out of left field. I bet Microsoft don't tend to surprise us that much. They Even last year, I know well, yeah. Xbox One S was going to be a surprise, but they kind well, they of, that leaked before. And then the only games they announced was Dead Rising 4 and yeah. Forza and then State of Decay 2. There wasn't anything that made us go, wow, that's a surprise. But wouldn't, wouldn't it be a kick in the teeth if they closed Lionhead and they were now making a, a proper Fable game that everybody was asking oh, for? Massively, yeah. 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 I, I'm surprised. I believe I read that um, they're not, they've said that they're not going to do any kind of virtual reality announcements um, during the... Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I'm shocked by that. I mean, even Apple is jumping on the VR bandwagon now. Like, I'm, I'm surprised, particularly given that PSVR has a kind of a head start on them. And the rumours that, you know, Scorpio's kind of built to, to support high-end VR, I would be surprised if there's absolutely no mention of it there. It may be because it's just, it, it's just not fleshed out enough yet. And uh, not, not to offer a segue into the, the Sony conference here, but I do expect VR to be a, a largest, uh, to, to have a larger presence on the Sony stage than some people might expect. I expect to see about half a dozen new new VR games um, in the Sony conference. We we need that second wave for PSVR because since launch, aside from Resident Evil 7, there's been bugger all. Yeah. Farpoint, Farpoint yes. yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's recent for sure. Well, I mean, Sony, I was a bit, well, I don't know, I don't know PlayStation's ambitions with PlayStation VR, but every time they go to E3, they sort of show it quite limited, and, they, and that's because it's not very easy to show on stage. And, of course, they, they closed Guerrilla Cambridge, which was a studio working on VR content. I mean, they've obviously made moves to sort of reassure people, but when you think about all of their internal studios, you know what they're working on, because they've pretty much announced all their games. Um, I, 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 yeah, I expect PlayStation they'll have to show something from VR. It's only been out six months. With Xbox, I wonder if they are actually just doing a bit of an open platform with uh, Scorpio, letting any VR manufacturer utilise the hardware. And as a result, they sort of let that do the talking. It it reads a little bit when they backed out of Blu-ray a little bit um, on the Xbox 360 and just sort of distanced themselves from that. Perhaps they're just waiting and seeing. Yeah, but I agree. But and I think that's just kind of broadly the way Microsoft sees itself as a business. You know, the, to to run VR is more like a platform rather than a. You know, and Sony wouldn't like me for saying this, but it's like a console peripheral. You know, their 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 their, their ambitions for VR and AR are far far bigger than just augmenting experience. You know, so it doesn't surprise me that they're they're not keen to show VR this year, or at least maybe not keen to show it on on you know right up against Sony. Who, got the hardware out in the market they've got a million sales and all, all they need to do is show show some games and they've already got a few good ones out there anyway for, for all we know all that they could really show is you know a couple of a uh, couple of headsets and 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 some pre-existing vr stuff that you could get on on rift or, or vive even mm. if they just announced like by the way all those virtual reality headsets that are coming to windows 10 from hp mm-hmm. dell acer asus all those they're working on scorpio as well like even if it's just that that would be a step in the right direction for them and, and would tie into their whole universal windows platform strategy i think yeah mm. all right any more Nintendo? sony though because we've said sony. we are like i, I mean as, as we say like we we know most of the games because they've announced most of them like in previous years so yeah. apart from ones that we will never get our hands on for another two three years i mean i mean i find it harder 
I find it harder to call Sony's because I do think it's going to... Because with with Microsoft, you have Scorpio, and that's going to be the centerpiece of their conference. With Sony, it's a little bit harder. I think it's probably going to be a lot more software focus it's going to be a lot more about individual games mm. and in in that sense it's a little bit harder to call because in recent e3s particularly you have huge amounts of time eaten up by by games like you know by 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 multi-platform franchise franchises like call of duty and and the whole justification for it is we you know you get the the dlc map packs one month earlier and it's really hard to call what those things are going to be but they can eat up you know 30 40 minutes of the whole conference yeah i, I actually agree i think that is what i mean there's a, there's a difference between what we want, what people want Sony to do and what we sort of need Sony to do because the last three years, I mentioned it earlier, Sony just, you know, from the Final Fantasy VII and Shenmue conference to, you know, that they've created these big surprise shock moments, God of War last year. There were so many new games at the show last year, you know, and they completely ignored the games that were announced the year before. Don't know where Dreams is, don't know where Detroit is, don't know where um, uh, Death Strat, where's that, you know, where, where, yeah, how yeah. far away is that game? Um, Spider-Man, um, God of War, Last of Us 2, you know, even Gran Turismo, which is supposed to be out any day now. Um, yeah. There's so many, so many games that's on their release schedule that have, we don't know where they are or how far along they are we've seen some trailers since but um so i do think we'll probably i think what we need them to do is almost just to give us a big update on all of those projects that we know they're working on where's final Fantasy 7 where you know and um yeah. and i imagine they will focus on software they've got they've got all the big third party deals they've even got ea this year so they've um uh so things like star wars battlefront and and call of duty and even red dead redemption maybe that will i maybe that will show a very brief snippet because they've got a marketing deal with take two on that um they've so i do expect to have a lot of software i know some i've spoken to a couple of friends at microsoft that are a little bit nervous that sony might pull a surprise of a ps4 pro 2 or even a ps5 tease or something like that i don't think that i think that i think that would be ballsy of them at this point to, to 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 tease yet another piece of hardware like what a year on from releasing basically three pieces of hardware i do I, personally i just want to emerge from these platform model press conferences with with some promising games and a solid idea of when they're actually coming out from microsoft because i, I think you know their first party lineup has been somewhat lacking and there's a few there's a few question marks over games have announced in the past as you say with sony just because you've seen so many different games in the last couple of v3s but actually no real concrete idea of when we're going to get them and you know, as a as an owner of both consoles, it just would be nice to emerge from E3 with some release dates on things for a change beyond just third party stuff. Indeed, um, Nintendo. Then I think Nintendo. I think it's the same thing. If you're a Nintendo fan, which I am, uh, you you suddenly got a wish list of games. Right, you got people talking about Smash Brothers and Metroid and Star Fox and Pokemon, and it's a long list of things they expect to see on Switch. Um, and it happens every single year. The the list of rumours is far greater than any anything they could cram into a conference um, or a, a digital event, which is what they do. But um, I would be surprised if Nintendo announced very much because um, for two reasons. One is they they've got their direct videos they do all the time now, and they announce like games pretty much as when they didn't announce Switch last year. You know, they didn't announce that till a digital event in September. So it was very. Yeah, that's the way they do things these days. And um, there's certain games like Smash Brothers, which seemed like an obvious choice, but with Pokken and now Ar- Arms about to come out, and Pokken recently announced that would be a third beat 'em up released within 12 month period. So, and they also said they're focusing on games this Christmas. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a small game like a Mario Party or something lurking in there. But 
I actually think they'll focus on Mario. And the reason why I think they'll focus on Mario is because of the success they had last year. Now, we all mocked them. I actually spoke to a journalist who said to me that Nintendo was showing supreme arrogance in going to E3 and just showing Zelda. And, um, and I thought yeah, it was a bit of a shame, you know, they didn't show Switch. They avoided all their games. They didn't even show Pokemon, which was coming out. That was hidden behind yeah. the doors. And then when they showed Zelda, the hype, the stampedes, the excitement, it, they pretty much stole the show with one game. And did, the result, yeah. and that almost kickstarted their big launch campaign. And in many ways, that title is what sold well completely. That's we were, we were the absurd situation where more people bought Zelda on Switch than actually bought Switch consoles. And that is, and that, I think that started in a big way at E3 last year. And so, if I was Nintendo, I'd be sitting there thinking, let's just do a big, let's go big on Mario Odyssey. Let's do as much as we can with that game, and just make that our big Christmas icon. And you know, whatever happens next year, what comes out next March or whatever, they can announce that in September when. They they do their digital events there. Yeah, is definitely going to be the, the central pillar, and I'll probably be sitting there watching the five or six hours of Nintendo Treehouse going through every single detail of that game. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they um, pull out another deluxe. Obviously, we've already had Mario Kart deluxe, and now they've announced Pocket Deluxe. I wouldn't be surprised if we have another deluxe Wii U game coming to Switch before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Probably something like Star Fox Zero, which didn't really get the audience or didn't have the audience that, that it might have had. And you know, for all these calls of Smash Brothers, I wouldn't be surprised if they just do a Smash Brothers Deluxe. You know, yeah, I mean, no, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wondered if they... It, it just it wouldn't be, Nothing surprises me with Nintendo if they did do a Smash Brothers Deluxe, but it would be, the, say, the third fighting game. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. If, there's other games on the Wii U, really small ones that we sort of forget about, things like Captain Toad and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which nobody bought, really. Yeah. Um, and they were pretty good. So it, there's loads of little, little, little small titles that won't... Another Mario Party, maybe. You know, these sort of things that sort of come out of nowhere. I don't expect to see a, an Animal Crossing or a Metroid or anything particularly big. We know Retro Studios is working on something. I just, I just think Nintendo perhaps will... I don't know how long their, their broadcast is, but they're, they're, they've already managing expectations by talking about games that will be coming out this Christmas. That's their big focus. I'm sure there'll be something for next year, but that's what they said is their big focus. And Mario, Mario Rabbids will probably be part of Nintendo's rather than Ubisoft's. Yeah, I, I I'm not expecting a great deal, um, and I do expect it to focus on Switch rather than 3DS, but yeah. I think they I mean, need what do you... to... Sorry, go on, Matt. Well, no, no. I was just wondering um, if what what role you think third party um, software is going to play. I don't think there'll be much, that much of it. There might be a few Japanese partners, as usual, but like, I, I, it tends to be the big third party games for for Nintendo consoles get announced around the direct rather than in it, um, because I just Nintendo tend to focus on first party stuff because ultimately that's what fares well on their their console. I'd love to see a lot more Switch. Um, a lot more switch ports and switch SKUs announced by the third parties over the course of the of the, of the whole week, largely because yeah. obviously, like I, th- I think it's kind of, I think the problem is like, I think it's taking people by surprise. Like I don't think people, well, they couldn't predict how well Switch would sell because we didn't even know that anything yeah. existed until about three months before it came out. So I think this year you won't see as much third party switch switch action because they haven't had time to react next year i hope you would see more third party games for switch because they've had a year or so to develop them there are some rumors about third party call of duty's rumored isn't it um and um uh i don't necessarily think that's a great fit for switch to be honest um i think nintendo should be going for those sort of mid-core third party studios like even like supercell and those sort of people but um uh, yeah I, I think i think you might see ea perhaps announce a Plants vs. Zombies 3 that might be coming to Switch. You might see Activision perhaps announce one of its smaller studios is working on the Call of Duty port. 
Um, at Ubisoft all support it, they always do. Um, and yeah, Capcom will have Monster Hunter. Um, we've already announced that, and there'll be a few Square Enix titles. Um, but I do think if the third parties are going to come, yeah, this might be a little, might be a little bit too early. I think you'll see a lot of indie games. We, we know because of mm. Res and and you know talking to Nintendo how active they are being in the indie scene. It's it's not entirely joined up at the moment, but they are trying. So um, and you're already seeing a load of independent developers sort of come across quite quickly. So they'll be the first. They'll be the first people to 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 move to switch to switch. Um, Apologise for that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not expecting a, a great deal of third-party support, even if, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, that might be a nice surprise. I think at most well, you'll get third parties doing, kind of doing a Bethesda and sprucing up previous generation games like Skyrim for Switch. I think that's yeah. the most you can, something that they can react quickly you know, modify for Switch like within a, a reasonable time frame and potentially get on shelves by Christmas, if not next spring. I think that's that's the most we could hope for. Actually, the biggest thing I forgot to so say, the biggest thing Nintendo will announce at E3 is the Zelda DLC. That's what I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> um, well, I, I wonder if they'll do a Zelda... I, I keep insisting this, and this is wish list time rather than actual full-blown prediction. Zelda Maker, that screenshot they showed at GDC of the yeah. 2D prototype, there is no way that is not from a Zelda Maker. I will. I wonder if they would do Super Zelda Maker or whatever it, whatever they'll call it, and do it in that weird early December slot that they seem to like so much. And yeah, just yeah, like, maybe just a, a Zelda maker that makes you lets you make the games in the style of you know Zelda on the NES, Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, and maybe like the Capcom Minish Cap style games. Like so, there's your four styles out by out December third or that sort of area where they usually do that. That I think would be the biggest surprise. Yeah, maybe, but you know, I'm surprised they haven't done Super Mario Maker yet on on the Switch. I thought that'd be yeah. an obvious. Obvious thing to bring across. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, like, because I'm not, you know, I I, I enjoy Nintendo's games well enough, but for me, like, it's very very difficult to get excited on a personal level about the Nintendo press conference because you know it's going to be sort of various iterations on the same group of group of IPs and franchises, which excites some people enormously. It almost feels a little bit like the EA press conference. I can think about it and think, well, it's going to be. The you know, one of these sort of ten different IPs, new versions of that, and that that that's just very hard to get excited about on a personal level unless you're very very engaged with all of their brands. Well, I think, yeah, I mean that's pretty much that's what people expect. Everyone wants to see was at E three, but I think after there seems to be a little bit ever since Splatoon really, and to a lesser extent some of their indie games on on three DS like Box Boy and stuff things like that. Nintendo have been making a bit more of new IP, and in fact, Splatoon was a very different style of Nintendo game, in a way. People That's sort of true. say it's them def- Nintendo-fying um, uh, uh, sort of shooters, but actually it's quite, it's, it's a little, it has a little bit more, I hate, I hate to use the word, attitude. It feels more like, Nickel- whereas Disney, Nintendo games tend to feel a bit uh, Disney, Splatoon feels a little bit Nickelodeon, and um, and ARMS, which I'm playing at the moment, um, which is really good, feels very, very much in line with sort of Splatoon in many respects, and I, and I wonder if we might, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there would be a new style of, but I, I mean, I'd be surprised if it happened this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo did start surprising us a little bit more with unusual games like Arms, like Splatoon, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, well, here's hoping. Indeed. Right, anything else that we kind of hope for or expect from E3? Because I'm aware that you have a plane to catch, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I'll go in ten minutes. Yeah. Well, well in the, you know, in the, in the, the... I mean, I suppose the, big, the biggest thing for me is, you know, it's the, it's the first year as a, as a, as a consumer 
the show, or at least this being acknowledged as a consumer consumer show, what what impact do you think that will have on the show as a whole? See, I don't. The, the, I don't, E3 it's, it's feels like a consumer show. It always yeah. did. I I I I'm I'm not I'm not the most important journalist in the world yet. I can get appointments with pretty much any game that I want. So I'm walking past queues of people, wondering who who are these people. You know, yeah. who, who's having to queue up? Who's who's spending hours at these? I can't. I don't know who they are. But I can get in. Who? Why can't you? Yeah, and right. um, and um, and although I'm, I know there's strict ESA strict rules, so they're probably bloggers of some description. Um, I don't think it's going to make a blind bit. <laughs> you even get cosplayers at E3. You don't get that at Gamescom, where you're not the business side, anyway. Um, so I don't know if it will feel that different. I think what will be interesting, what's interesting, is the fact they sold out very quickly despite the ridiculous pricing of those tickets. And um, that suggests that maybe next year we'll see a bigger switch to consumer a consumer show. I don't know how they manage that. I don't think they need a new venue, if they need to split it in half, if they need to extend the week into the weekends and make that the consumer part of the show. But um, I, I understand them doing it. I think it makes perfect sense for them if they want to keep the show alive to bring in the consumers. They've added a load of new exhibitors, um, just not particularly big ones. So... I think it makes sense. I don't know if it will feel that different. I'll, I'll be interesting and just, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll let you know. But um, I don't know if it will feel that different on the show floor. Okay, well, GI is obviously going to be covering E3 extensively over the next week. We're streaming all the conferences. We're going to have a recap of every conference. Um, all the major news, obviously, will be covered. And we're doing our daily E3, E3 briefings. Um, Chris, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh, so um, every day... Every morning in LA, or you know, if in Europe, sort of uh, in the middle of the afternoon, um, we are sending out a, a news a newsletter. The traditional games industry newsletter will be replaced with a um, a piece of analysis that, um, or an interview, or something a little bit more in depth from um, one of the members of the team, myself and Brendan Sinclair, out there, and we'll be writing in from the show floor. We'll be talking to people. We'll be reacting. We'll be discussing what what we're seeing and what's the biggest news that will be coming out every day sunday through to friday and then on friday will also be the reveal of our winners of the games in the games in job is first e3 awards where we'll be awarding people not so much for you know best shooter or anything like that but sort of their business um elements such as who had the best launch execution who had impressed us most with their technical innovation so you know there'll be um and developers game of the show and retailers game of the show will have that as well so um yeah that's that's what we've got going on uh, there'll be a link to sign up to those in, or you should already be signed up if you are already signed up to the newsletter, but there'll be a link to sign up uh, in the article about this uh, this episode. Um, right, brilliant. I think you need to get going, Chris. Um, mm-hmm. But thank you very much for uh, for making time for this, mor- this morning. Um, Matt, I'll be talking to you throughout the week, no doubt, because a uh, busy, busy week ahead. In the meantime, everyone can find all their E3 news, insight and analysis at gamesindustry.biz. 